This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. In episode 107, Jeremy Roenick joins us, and uh, it, it's so fitting that you're on with us for 107. Why is 107 significant to Jeremy Roenick? 107. Uh, didn't I have 107 points one year? Not one year. Two well, had one years. Back-to-back, 107-point back seasons. Hey, pretty good. Way to go, buddy. That's awesome. Well, I knew I knew That's you were awesome. somewhere. I knew you were somewhere in the low hundreds, eh? <laughs> By the way, that's what, that's how old I feel right now. So it's that's all good. But 107 is my actual my actual age that I feel. Not my 107 points. Mm. You had 103 the year before that. 94 the year before that. How important was getting 100 for you? Like for the um, guys that finish with 97, 98, 99, like how pissed are they? Well, I listen, I think when when you reach a milestone like that, it's pretty awesome. Like I I I was really I was really down and out because I didn't I, I felt I, I was gonna fall short of the five hundred goals. I might I've told you guys the story. I was four shy of five hundred and I didn't get one phone call for two months, two and a half months in free agency. I, I mean, I thought I was gonna feel shy of that. I was talking with Mike Medano the other day. Um, him and I were sitting, sitting in a, at, at dinner. And um, I, I said, one of the biggest atrocities that I've ever seen a coach do was a, the Keith Yandel with Mike Yo, that dumbass. Thank goodness he's fired. And um, Mike, Mike Medano getting sat for his 1500th game. I mean, Mike Medano has 1499 games and I know it's just one game. But fifteen hundred looks a lot better on the sheet than fourteen ninety nine. I don't care what anybody says, and that's just a lack of respect, man. It's a lack of respect. What is just? What do you guys talk about? Like when you and you and Medano talk, and you're sitting there at dinner, do you guys talk about your careers? Do you guys talk about the game today? Do you talk about, or, or do you not even talk about hockey? Yeah, we talk a lot of hockey. You know, because he's you know he works for Minnesota and he works with Billy Guerin and. You know, those two together are a great match. And, you know, he's very up to date on the game. He loves so the game. So is he still living in Dallas? No, he lives in Scottsdale. He lives in Scottsdale. But he flies up and he flies up and back to Minnesota. You know, and Mike started late in life with his kids. He's got five five young kids under seven years old. So, you know, he's he's a busy dad right now. And um we talk a lot. We talk a lot of hockey. We talk a lot of um, about the playoffs, what's going on now, and we talk about uh, we, we we reminisce a little bit about the old days. And you know, he 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 gives me shit a lot of times because of some of the nasty, brutal, cheap hits that I gave him. But I I just said, listen, you just shouldn't have been the, the best American of all time. Well, I mean, let me. You should, you know? Didn't you knock him out or something? Break his jaw or something? No, I knocked him out twice. Yeah. And he so still, he'll still out, sit down. Out. He'll still sit down and have dinner with you. Is this just by coincidence that you guys end up at the same dinner table? No, Mike, Mike and I, Mike and I are, are, are friends. I mean, I'm sure he still holds some animosity to the way I, I played against him, but I, I always looked at Mike Medano as the greatest American ever born. I, I think he's one of the most talented players that I've ever watched play. I used to, I used to sit on the bench 
and and literally go into a fog watching him rewind up around the net and come out flying with his jersey flying jersey flapping in the wind everyone wants Mike Medano jersey flap everybody I can see it I can see his stride you know he's a tall lanky you know I mean he had one of the most beautiful strides oh puck way in front of him just flying flying you know that I I got a I, I I just remember I I was sit, I'd be sitting on the bench and I'd be just like, oh my god, oh my god, look at him go and totally lose track. I couldn't hear anything and I was mesmerized by how the talent that Mike Medano, the way he stick handled, the way he, he he was a Patrick early Patrick Kane, the way he used to saucer passes, his shot, his his technique, everything is perfect about Mike. Oh, yeah. His air, perfect. His everything, hair, everything, everything, everything. So when I played against him, he was my, he was my role, like he was my echelon, right? So if I beat Mike Medano, then I'm better than Mike Medano, right? And I, I was ahead of Mike Medano in points <clears throat> my first 14 years of my career. I mean, he didn't catch me in points to like year 14 or 15, but it, that was my, that, that was my, my, my block. And Listen, so I, I, I knocked him out one, one game in Phoenix, and then that's when I got my jaw broken the next night. And then I knocked him out in Philly, and I get suspended for two games for, for a hit from behind. But, you know, I, I always tell Mike, I say, listen, Mike, you, and, and, and by the way, we're having dinner at this event the other night, and I introduced Mike as the best American of all time. Because I really believe that's how I feel about Mike, and I always respect. Well, he him was, he was for sure, but he's not anymore. Yeah. Well, as points go, he still is, but he'll be caught. Okay, what about Pat? Okay, well, we don't need to go. I think you know Pat Kane's got to be right there. Austin Matthews, you know, could be there. Well, not, 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 not in points yet, but talent-wise, yes. Austin Matthews is going to go. Austin Matthews will blow away the goal record for sure that Mike has. Mike has the goal record. Mike has the point record, but he will be caught by both goals. He'll be caught by Austin Matthews and points. He'll be caught by Patrick Kane. I was just going to say, I got when I was 16 years old and there was an agent. I don't know who Mike Medano's agent was back uh, when he first started. I ended up getting a, a phone call one day uh, at my house. My dad picked up the phone, called me downstairs, said, hey, uh, uh, the phone's for you. I picked it up and I had a guy on the other, na- on the other line named Mike Medano. No kidding. Who had just finished his first year in the National Hockey League um, and uh, had 75 <laughs> points that year, 29 goals. And Mike Medano is calling me because... Uh, He's asking his, you to go play where? Where's he asking nope, you to go play? His agent, I was, oh, okay. I was only 15 years old. And his agent wanted to represent me. There was agents that were starting to, awesome. to knock on the door. And, you know, we... Uh, you know, listen, I, I sat in the backyard in the summertime with my mom bringing out lemonade, which my mom doesn't bring, bring lemonade out. You know, it's just that's not the, that's not what we do. And it uh, sat in the backyard with uh, with, uh, you know, multiple agents. But I remember the one 
where I got a call from Mike Medano and he had started to talk about his agent and how much he loved him and you know he's going to do right by you and the whole shoot match and I got off the phone and I looked at my mom and my dad and I said um That's that cool. was that was Mike Medano and they're like what so I did the same thing Riv I did the same thing to Keith Kachuk after my first year pro um Gretzky's team the Hall Olympics and Charlie Henry who was a GM of the Hall Olympics where I played for 26 games in junior they wanted Keith to come up and play in Hall and he was at BU and I was just finished my first year so they asked me to call Keith Kachuk and ask him to go play in Hall so I said hey Keith this is Jeremy Ronick he's like hey what's up I said you ever have thought about going to play in junior Uh, the Hall Olympics would love to have you go play. Gretz would love you to have to go play, and you know I played there. It was great. You know I had a great year in the National Hockey League this year. You know what you think of going? Keith goes, no thanks, going to BU. Good luck. Click. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So I have yeah. another question for you. Talking about Mike Medano, just talking about players in general. When when do you believe the best years? of a forward is in in the NHL. Like me, what are 20, what are 20, between what ages do you think you're getting your best hockey? To me, I think it's between 25 and 30. Those five years. Those okay. five years I think are are your prime years, your years, you know, some are a little bit earlier, 24 after okay. So I let think, me yeah. I, and and I I that's what I thought you would say. I just going to read you some statistics on just a few guys. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Ronick in year 2, 3, 4 and 5 you add your basically your four best years 94 points 103, 107 and 107 you scored 41, 53, 50 and 46. Was your first four years? Or that those are four of your five years. That's when you're 91 and 95, right? 91 and 95. So you would have been how old? I would have been 20, 21, 22 to 25. Okay, here we go. Alex Ovechkin, 106, 92, 112, 110, and 109. His first five years in the NHL. He did not reach another 100 point season in his entire career. Those are his first five years. Sidney Crosby, 102, 102, 102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-102-
maybe that we're getting the best hockey from from players under the age of 25 it's great it's a, you know what it's i'm saying like i could i, I mean, could probably go through a whole a whole lot more guys and 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 look things up but it seems like you're getting your best hockey you're maybe getting your most smartest player and your most rounded and evolved player from 25 to 30 but you're getting your best hockey before 25 and and by the way your body isn't beat up yet right their bodies still are there that's right you know you know what after well there's no rite of passage into the league anymore you know what i mean like young guys when you were coming in and before jeremy like i mean not guys like me i was 23 you know and i had to i came in as a as a tough guy but i mean nowadays there's no these kids are given all the ice time they're they're given the opportunity to go out and be who they're going to be at 25 26 at 18 19 20 and 21 just with the way the game has changed cheaper labor too by we're the way it, but we're seeing we're seeing more 18 and 19 year olds and 20 year olds in the game than we've ever seen when that just goes it's, that just goes it's not even earned that. anymore. A guy's drafted 21st overall, and yeah, but a year or two he, later, yeah, a year yeah, or two later, he's this. in the NHL, whereas 15 years ago, that 21st overall pick would have spent a year and a half in the minors. Yeah, but you know why? Do you know why? Because we didn't work out and prepare to be a professional like they 100%. have for the last 20 years. These kids nowadays at 8, 9, 10 years old – these guys are playing only hockey. These coaches are putting them through drills and off-ice training. They're eating properly. They're doing sports drinks. They're, they're, they're doing things now where their bodies are so much more prepared and their talent is so much more advanced than when, when did we you, were. When did you start working out for the first time? When did you have your first 20. trainer, JR? 20 years old? What about you, Petey? No, First I, time no, I worked I, no, out no, or had a I, trainer? No, no, no. no. First time no. you had a trainer. Oh, I didn't. I did not work out in the off season until maybe I was 23, 24. I didn't work. I mean, I worked out li- like a little bit, but I didn't have a trainer. I didn't. Okay. So when did you have your first camp. trainer? My first trainer was probably when I was in Arizona at 26. When I went from my left to Arizona, that, that's when I really worked out with a trainer in the off season. Petey, what about you? Define trainer. I mean, like, what do you mean define trainer? A guy well, okay, so I I, I trained with you. I trained with a with a rugby player. Like, so I mean, like, he was kind of my trainer. Okay, I, I was, I'll, I'll take that. Okay, all right. How old uh, seven, I didn't see, Seventeen. I didn't see an ab. I didn't see an ab, an ab on a hockey player until I was like 25, 26. Yeah. because everybody had everybody had beer bellies, beer guts. I mean, we used to go to camp. And our camp consisted of an hour and a half scrimmage, go into the gym, do do fifty push-ups, lift a couple dumbbells, do a little do a slight little a little workout, and then everybody would go to the bar and they would drink at the bar all afternoon and do it again the next night. That was camp in 88, 89, 90. And I didn't see an therefore, ab. Therefore, there old. was no 18-year-old, 19-year-olds, and for that matter, 20, 21-year-olds, you might have a shot of making the NHL at 21, 22, okay? And that's if you were super elite. You look at the young players coming in now, 
there's multiple that are playing at 18 and 19 years old because guess what? When we started back in 1990, when I had my first trainer, okay, I, I would have been uh, 17 years old. That's the first time I touched a weight. It's the first time I was bench pressing. It's the first time I was squatting and deadlifting. It was the first time I ever rode a stationary bike and actually had to do sprints on it and, and, and get a sweat. But even the training that we did when we had a trainer is nothing like these kids. These kids are starting to have trainers at 11, yeah. 12. Yeah. Yeah. All if right. you don't have That's a trainer by the point. time you're 14 or 15, then you are grossly behind the ball. You're done. You're done. That's a, You're done. And that, to me, that's an issue. That is an that's an issue. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But anyway, so I have I have a I have a young little sixteen year old that I've um that I've mentored for the last five years. He's sixteen, plays in Michigan. He's playing for um for Compuware this year. Um, kids shredded, shredded, like muscles abs six pack and he works out with chris tamer remember chris tamer yep um the defenseman so he works out with chris tamer uh for you know four days a week and what they have these kids doing at 14 15 16 right now is insane it's insane and you, and you wonder why these kids can handle the, the 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 rigors and the pressure uh physical pressure of the national hockey league because they've been pr- training for it for 10 years before yeah, the confidence Crazy. in these young men are too are are completely extreme because social media back in the day when, you know, Jeremy Roenick was going to a tournament in Boston and winning the scoring title, no one knew except for knew Jeremy it. Roenick and a couple other people. Now, you know, you go to a tournament, I mean, parents are posting stats and videos mm. and everything else under the sun mm. on their kid. It's just absolutely ridiculous but i mean these kids are growing up in a different time they're getting to watch their goals they can go on to live barn they're watching hits and goals and plays and and they're sending it to the buddies and and the social media web is shooting stuff all over the place and these Mm -hmm. kids are so confident it is just beyond Mm -hmm. beyond confidence just by the way sitting around watching their own highlights i had that mom and dad cut for them (laughs) <laughs> think, of, think of this too. It gives them more creativity in their own mind because they get to see what other people are doing exactly. and, it, and, it ha- and they go out and they start practicing different things that they see other kids doing because they want to do it. Like how many people are trying to do the, do the, the lacrosse goal, the Michigan with, uh, because of Trevor's egress, lifting it up, throwing over the net because the, their creativity that they're seeing other people do is making all these other kids even more, more uh, creative. It's crazy, man. It's, it's awesome to watch, man. Tell you what, the hockey, the, I don't know if you guys watched that game last night, Edmonton, Calgary. but Unbelievable. What, what an unbelievable series. Un- this is. We, unbelievable. Well, you know that, that's been my series that I have kind of stay oh. away from because I find it boring as shit. Like, I mean, what? it's not good. Calgary and Edmonton? Yes. Oh my god. Oh wow. That's crazy. You you couldn't That's be good. you couldn't be any further from wrong when That's you crazy. when you say that. It has been by far I don't know that I would say it was the best series. That Toronto Tampa series was pretty unbelievable. 
But this yeah, that was this a great series. That's the best. Riv, did you see? Did you Riv? Did you tell me you didn't see the tying goal last night? Tell me you didn't see the. Yes. What the hell? Yes. What are you do? What is Mike Smith doing? Because he 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 obviously took his eyes off the puck. The ice, the puck is down. You know, the puck came right by the referee's head. Just missed the referee's head. Just missed the defense's head, and he didn't even see it. I'm watching the game. I'm at the. Could you imagine they lose that game? Could you oh imagine gosh. Edmonton loses that game? He couldn't go back. He oh my gosh, he couldn't go back to Edmonton. He'd get booed out of Edmonton. It would have been bookended. It would have been bookended by goalie mistakes because Markstrom shit the bed early on. He let the, he mm-hmm. flubbed that first one. So it was almost like, you know, that even the playing field. But oh, I, I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. If they lose this game. That is just that's absolutely backbreaking for the Oilers, and they end up pulling it out. But you know, like wow. a Van, we talked about Evander Kane yesterday as well. Do me a favor, Jr. While we're on the line here, I meant to while we were talking about uh, Madano, text him and ask him if his jersey was stitched or custom done or anything that made his jersey flap like that, because there's no way yeah. he wore that, a yeah, regular. That's totally true, right? There's no way because he's the only player that ever had it. I feel like he had either the bottom cut off and it was stitched so it was a little shorter or something because his jersey was Sick. custom done to be able to to flap like that. There's there's Sick. no there's no way. Yeah. But, I'll ask him. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. I'll see what he says. But uh but anyway, if, I swear to God, ask him if he remembers having to make a call to some wiener. That's in uh, some young wiener. You know, if scenario. he was calling he'll Craig Reve, he was probably calling every player. He'll, he'll well, that's what I want to sure. know. That's he'll what. Remember. That's the exact question I want to know. I want you to ask him if he remembers making the call to me. That's number one. And number two is how many of those calls did he have to make? Yeah, it's good. Okay, that's that's. I'll, I can't wait for that answer. I'll, I'll bring an update. I'll bring an update next week. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be the first thing that you ask him. But back to the Edmonton series. I mean, how surprised are you? How surprised are you, you that they're what, sitting you know in this really situation? Surprised? I'm very surprised. But you know, I, I was I was sitting sitting in the ballpark last night watching the Padres game, and we're in a box, and I turned the hockey game on instead of watching the ball game. Shocker. And and Tracy's with me. We're sitting down watching the game. And Tracy's like, I can't believe Evander Kane has a job. She's like, wow. I said, like, he's like, she's like watching him. And I'm like, Tracy, not only does he have a job, guy's got 12 goals. He's got 12 goals in 11 games. Like if there was, if there was, if there was a better um, flip of the coin signing in the last five years can you think of one can now, you granted, tell me can you tell me though that we didn't know that he had this potential no we, we knew yet we knew we, we knew he, he had he this had potential it. we and knew he, he would be an amazing playoff fit for edmonton if they could get there but when they signed him they were going this way and i'm pointing down for, for the people that can't you, see my finger you, you, you know why edmonton is in this situation and i'm not saying it's because of evander kane but evander kane adds an element to that team that they didn't have they didn't have a guy that had a serious edge that would stir the pot that would make other teams uncomfortable that can score that can play in every situation that 
did certain things because look at look at who they had that Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Who's he gonna Who's he gonna scare? They have you know, um, Yamamoto. Who's he gonna scare? Right? They had. I mean, getting Hyman was good, but Hyman is a is a utility guy that could not scare anybody. Not, he brought a different edge. He brought a different mentality, and he brought a secondary scoring element that that made Drysidel and McDavid even more hungry. That's why they're in this situation, I think. Yes. Um, it's it, listen. I'm happy for Evander Kane. I don't. I wouldn't <laughs> say I'm an Evander Kane fan because I don't like his. You know the way that he's been portrayed and the way he's portrayed himself, but I do like people getting second chances and showing that they can do it. Now, just hope that he doesn't get a fat fucking head and go back to his old ways. Well, just I was saying this. Stay. Vanek Vanek messaged us in that group chat, Jr. I don't know if you saw it, and he said, "Do you think anyone's?" It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline kinds of vander kane to a six or seven year deal and i i no. responded this morning i'm like no if i'm a no. team i'm giving him a year-to-year contract i'm going to make him play on the edge every year and there's no reason if, if he leaves to go somewhere else after edmonton would, took this chance on him and he succeeded then then he's like that's why would he leave though it, it, it would be it would <laughs> why be, would he leave it, it would be contract suicide for for a team to sign him for more than two years it would be you can't. He has he has to prove himself every year. He has to prove that he's going to be a good teammate. He has to prove that he's going to do things properly in the community. He's got to he's got to be good in the in the room, and he's got to be productive on the ice. And because if you give him too much leeway, he could go back to being the the guy who doesn't think and does stupid things and gets, uh, you know. Gets complacent. Gets himself in trouble. He hasn't done himself any favors. Let's you know, and, and he, he has not. He's what not. kind of so money do you pay him? Year. What kind of money do you pay him then? Well, I, I mean, if you're asking I, me, I'm if paying I, him, I'm paying, I'm paying him seven million for two years. Wow, wow, a year, seven million a year. Yep. He had 22 goals this year and 39 points in 43 and, games. I know, I know. And that the year before that, he had 22 goals, 49 points. You cannot say he's not earning another chance at a big contract. Now, not a long-term contract, but a big money contract. And, you know, he is, he is helping this team. He is the, besides McDavid and Drysaddle, obviously they are the keys. But those two can't do it by himself. He's added an element that has gotten Edmonton, that is going to get Edmonton to the conference finals. He's more valuable and to he, that team than, he's more valuable to that team than Nugent Hopkins. I, and, you know, oh, he by, had a, by a country mile. By he had a good mile. game last Nugent, night, but he is way more valuable than Nugent Hopkins. Nugent, I'm, I'm telling you, Nugent Hopkins does diddly squat for me. Zero. He does nothing for me. He, he He's soft. He's, he's, he's not engaged. He doesn't, he's not physical. He had a play last night where the puck got on a stick. He could have one time that top shelf and he takes it. He sweeps it off 
and then shoots it marks from it marks from right right in the right in the sea of Calgary, right in the flame. And I'm sitting there going, it's three three, and you have an opportunity to bury a one timer top shelf, and and you you sweep the puck off. Nugent Hopkins does zero for me, zero. Do they even have the money to sign a Vander Kane? Now you have a Darnell Nurse contract kicking in next year. That's nine point two five, going from five six. Wow! Still have nine Duncan two five. nine two five. It, wow. It's going to nine two five. You got to pay Duncan Keith five point five. You have Tyson Berry, uh, Tyson Berry four and a half. Cody CC three point. They have to sign. How does Darnell Nurse make nine and have those other two players make five and four? I know age difference, but talent. Talent-wise, is not even close. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, do they have the money to be able to sign a Vander Kane? If you're saying that he's going to be making seven million dollars, where is that? Where are they getting it from? Well, they're going to trade probably Cassian, which I think would be a mistake. Um, Kyle Cassian makes three point two. By the way, yeah. Take take him off, take Turris off, and there you're at about f- almost five. Turris is Turris is another junk. That guy's been that guy's been junk since he's been in Phoenix. How about that? that wasn't he? That all, guy, was, go that ahead. Guy, that guy's as that guy's as soft as Charmin toilet paper. <laughs> guy's awful. What do you what do you pay Pulleyarvi? That's had fourteen goals, thirty six points, plus twenty two in sixty five games. He's a 45-point guy. Sorry, guys. Guys, say bye to my wife. Bye. Bye, baby. Um, I, I like Paul Yarby. I think he's good. He's, he's a good player. I, I, I don't know what you pay him. I don't watch him enough to come up with a, with a number. Oskinen comes off that terrible deal this year too, Riv, and he's not coming back. Who's that? Koskinen, the goalie. He's on a 4-5 deal that was signed by uh, – the old general manager there from Boston when he was there, Shiro. It's not Shiro. Jesus, that's right. Not yeah. that's right. Shirelli. Yeah. Shirelli. Shirelli. Shirelli, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What'd you think about well, uh, Florida getting gassed out by uh, Tampa wow. Bay? Before, I, I want to ask you guys quite, uh, one question before we move on on the Edmonton thing. Um, talking about Evander Kane having 12 goals in 11 games. Do you know? There's two players that have tied for the most goals in an NHL playoff year. Do you know who it is? What do you mean? Like most goals in the playoffs? Most goals in a playoffs. The most goals in the playoffs is 19. And I think it's Joe Sackick is one and Claude Lemieux is the other. Negative. On both? Wow. Yes. Nice try. Joe Sackick has 18 goals. Oh, shit. He was okay. Well, and who was the other guy you said? Claude Lemieux. One year he had an unbelievable year. And I think he might have even, I don't think he won the Conn Smythe, but it was the year he was with New Jersey. Thought he had he like, won the Conn Smythe one year. He, he did, didn't he? One year. He, yeah, did, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So he had a monstrous playoff the one year. And I know he might have been closing in on Joe Sackick numbers. So maybe I thought that's why. But 19 is the highest, right? 19 is the highest by two players. No, it's not. Gretzky doesn't have it. I know that. 1984-85. Glenn Anderson. Negative. Mark Messier. Negative. Yuri Curry. Boom. One. 
He had 19 goals, 12 assists, 31 points in the 1984-85 season. Did they win the cup that season, JR? What year? 84-85. Yes. Yeah. Edmonton yeah. won the cup that year. Yes, they did. The other guy yeah. is played for the Philadelphia Flyers. 1975-76 season. Was that Clarky? Nope. I would never in a million years got this. Dave Schultz. Was it, it wasn't Gary Dornhofer, was it? No. Uh, Tim Kerr wasn't even there yet. No, he wasn't there yet. Yeah. Um, Who doesn't initial, love Tim Kerr, though? AJ are, How awesome is Tim Kerr? RL. RL. Lumberg. Reggie. The, Leach. Reggie Leach had 19 Reggie goals, Leach. five assists, wow. 24 points. Wow. In 16 games. Sick. Yep. Sick. What year was that? 75? 75, 76 season. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, this, I, they're, they could be broken this year. I mean, they're moving on. Edmonton's going to be moving on to the conference finals. They got seven more games if this Evander Kane keeps fucking pumping the puck. Could the puck you in. imagine if Evander Kane. No. No. Breaks the playoff goal fucking record this year no. after the, he was a long shot signing and all the shit he's been through. Oh my god! So it's 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 like one it's one surprise after another because what you just said the fact that Tampa swept Florida is an unbelievable unbelievable shock to me. Which is even more unbelievable shock is to get that report that all of them are in the strip club the night before game four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, you didn't hear this, eh, Riv? We missed this yesterday. We were we had already started the show and it came out. But yeah, about apparently a vast majority of the team after game three was in a strip club until three in the morning in Tampa Bay. Yep. Yep. Which I think it was probably the one right off the highway. <laughs> Mons Venus, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that could be the one. <laughs> I don't know how I. I don't know how I know the name of that one. Just, I, I just forgot the it. name. I forgot the name of the planet, but I knew it was Mons I something. Pull, I pulled. I pulled it out of the air. I just guessed. <laughs> anyway, so uh, <laughs> I am. I am. I'm trying to let this sink in here. I am. Better I'm find shocked. out if Mac Weger was there because. Uh, yeah. Right. That's uh, not a chance really, he would have been there. But I will tell you this. Hey, I will tell you this. Game four was the best that Florida played in the whole series. They they should have won that game. Um, they they outshot Tampa fifty to twenty four. 49-24. Okay, they played so good. But again, again, Vasilevsky, the superhero, I, get, I mean, if they go on to win the cup again, there's no question who the Smythe Trophy is on that team. Yeah. That kid, that kid is winning games by himself. Let, let's go back to Florida being out for a minute. I mean, you're down 3 nothing. The odds against, and you're playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. The odds of going four straight are slim to none. So there's only one option. You have a little team, bo- <laughs> a little team bonding night before the game. You all go out. You kind of have this massive secret, and you play guilty. Well, it's not a secret. How? And here's another thing too. 
1999, that might have been, you may have, might have been able to pull that off and go to a strip club night before a game, yep. Yep. before a massive game. But to do it now in today's era, if you like what happens is strip clubs doesn't stay in strip clubs, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Mm-mm. No. So how do they no. even thought that they could get away with it? That may, Maybe they're that naive to think that no one really knows anything about hockey in Tampa. I don't know. But all I'm saying is how the how are they going out? I'm not going to sit here and tell you I haven't been out night for a game. Fuck, I never knew if I was playing that or is, not. So it was that 50-50. Is confirmed. That has been confirmed, or is that rumor? A multiple I, reports. I find this. I find this completely, completely multiple, multiple. Even the no, strip club. Even no, the strip club. Yeah, even the strip club tweeted. The, from they the have fingerprints of their. They have fingerprints on the poles. The guys were up on stage. <laughs> I there's there's no way. I hey? think they, they, hey, they they have they have tweets from strippers that have pictures that have everything. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, they're spraying crazy. themselves with champagne. They're going, "This is what we would have done if we won the cups." <laughs> <laughs> they had to fumigate the locker room the next day because it smelled like a <laughs> smell like perfume. Body spray. <laughs> so let me ask you, Jr. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so funny! Starting to get oh, angry man. now. Starting to get. Uh, <laughs> what are you angry about? Because I, just... I fucking feel like going down to Florida and fucking punching every one of those players in the face right now. If, if that's the goddamn. <laughs> if team. they were down three nothing, like, I don't give a shit. That oh, team can win on. four straight, no problem. Not against Tampa, they can't. Yes, they no. I, listen, I, I just it was over. Felt, it was over. I felt, it wasn't over. There's no problem with what they did. They started their season oh my ending god, party. Don't early. even. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't say that, PD. That's going a little bit that, far, man. I, I listen. Go have your team bonding in the, in the hotel room and drink beers in the hotel room. Don't go to a strip club and 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 flaunt it. No, I don't think that's the case either, Jr. You're in the yeah. goddamn playoffs in the second round. You're a President's Trophy. I'm you can win you. four straight. That team, one game at a time, can beat any team four straight, no problem. Let me so tell you. Saying, right until so I see this, surveillance, so saying that. So you're saying there's a chance. There is there that with that team, one hundred percent, they're a chance. What movie? They, what movie, Riff? What movie? Uh, too, dumb and dumber. <laughs> dumb and dumber. <laughs> it's all that one in a million talk. Yeah. Well, Jr., yeah. let me ask you. Let me ask you. Awesome. Listen, I mean, awesome. I, I'm I'm just gonna throw my two cents in. I think Andrew Burnett is not the guy. No. That is just my feeling. Now, listen, he acquired an absolute monster team with elite players. And uh, I, I just, I think when you're dealing with a team like that and you're acquiring a team that is so, so veteran, you know, laden and they're, they just need to be guided, guided and pushed. They need to be tinkered with. They need to be, you know, I, I there's no emotion. No, it's not. There's no. nothing. But like, you know, they me, made, they made so many mistakes. They made so many mistakes at the end of games, like perfect example. When they scored with one second left in game in game three. Okay. One second. Now when Kucherov has the puck behind the net, or maybe it was game two. Yep. When Kucherov has the puck behind the net with one second, why on 
earth are you going to take two defensemen and chase behind the net and leave a guy wide open in front? The guy behind the net cannot score in one second. The guy in front can, and Kucherov can make a play from back then. So that those guys are not prepared for situations in those situations. And it was a fourth line that was on the ice. If you're a coach, you don't have the fourth line on the ice in the last minute of a game when you're tie game. You just yeah. don't do it. So he made so many mistakes. He didn't prepare these guys. You know, they made Forsling takes a penalty in game one when they're down two to one. He takes a he takes a roughing call with under five minutes. That's lack of discipline. That's coaching. That's having a coach saying, stay disciplined. Let's not get stupid here. Fucking Forsling takes a roughing penalty when you're down 2-1 with four minutes left in the game. That is a mental fucking stupid penalty. And if I was a player on the team, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? And this is in the last game you're talking about, right? Well, there's a lot of things that, 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 have, that have happened. Like in, the, in game one, but I'm, I'm, Forsling I'm talking. Takes- I'm talking for an example. You have um, Brennan Hagel coaching. go in okay. and cross-check. Who is the guy? S to the Finnish kid. I don't even know how to say the bloody name, so I'm not going to butcher it. But cross-check this guy right from behind, four feet from the boards. The kid, yeah. I, 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 I sent this to Petey. It's, it's the most dangerous play in all of hockey. It is hundred percent. They were going a hundred miles an hour towards the, towards the board to play the puck. And he gives a cross check four feet from, he gets a two minute fucking penalty. I would have been throwing fucking water bottles and javelin sticks at these stupid ass refs. It's a friggin' joke. What does Burnett do? The ref comes over to him, tells him what the penalty is. And, and Burnett gives a little, Oh, is that? Oh, are you kidding me? I would have, what do you think John Cooper would have done? He John Cooper mind. would have lost his absolute mind because he knows when to press the buttons. Okay. It, I mean, I'm not a fan. I, I hate yeah. to say it. I'm not a fan of uh, Andrew Burnett. I think, well, listen, listen, I, I, I'm a firm believer that if, if, um, if Quenville gets reinstated, he'll probably come right back to Florida. If he gets reinstated. Well, what do you, do you think, do you have any reason to think that he will? Do I have any reason to think that he won't? Well, that's not what I asked you. <laughs> Who's asking the questions here, Jr.? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think you know he's he, he's. I just didn't know if maybe you knew that that something was in 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 the works. I mean, I, I mean it's been I, a lot. It's been a lot of. There's been a lot of talk of whether he's going to be reinstated again. I mean, he's he's been out for a year and a half now. You know, did. Did his uh, did his time for doing something stupid? We don't even know what he did, hiding, cover up, whatever the case may be. Um, but by the way, Vander Kane, he, he got a second chance. How many other people got second chances? You're not going to give Joel Quenville a, a chance to come back and after after that, I I don't know. No, I I, um, I do think I do think he comes back. I I do think I I mean, well, if he comes back, he's got to go right back to Florida. Go right if back. he comes, if he comes back, then you know we know that whatever information that was found or whatever, you know, it it's isn't. It doesn't that. solely gotta, rest you, on him. No, it doesn't. I mean, he made a mistake. I'm sure he he admits it and and is and 
stands by it. And, you know, he, you didn't hear him give it uh, complaining or yelling or screaming when he stepped down from Florida. He did it. He did well, it with honor. How he could did he? But I, every, come on, the shit that we see in this world, Riv, people complain about everything. People make stinks about everything. People, people throw blame to other people. I mean, even our own fucking government throws fucking blame someplace else. Not my it, fault. I listen, it. it's, it's a tough spot for anybody to be in. And I mean, the person that, you know, who, who makes that call in Chicago? Who, you know, yes, yes. Well, Could he back, have done let's, something? Let's, let's yes, but to, I mean. Let's not go back to the whole Chicago yeah. thing. Let's just talk about whether, whether paying, paying a price and doing your time or, or having repercussions made off of decisions is the right thing because in our world today um consequences don't happen as much as they should joel quendell stepped down as one of the top leading coaches of all time and he stepped away from the game because he he was involved in something that wasn't right now does that mean that he shouldn't have the opportunity to come back and be in the game again after he did his time or he did his his um his I don't know what, what the best word to say it is, but so many people get second chances and make it right. And Joel Quenville should be one of them. I'm, I'm pretty sure if Joel Quenville could go back and do it all over again, he might've changed the way he For handled sure. things, you know, and I, I, I think, you know, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure anybody listening to this podcast uh, over the age of 18, who's an adult, will be able to look back and probably say that about themselves too. I mean, it's like, and, maybe, and by the way, it, hopefully in, in some, future, some way, shape or form, pardon me. And hopefully in the future, future coaches are going to learn from certain decisions and make a different decision. So, so all in all, in, but in, in, in talking about coaches, uh, how do you feel about, now, I mean, you mentioned um, the guy in Philly getting canned, and you were happy about that. But how do you feel about John Tortorella interviewing there? I mean, I love John Tortorella. He's one of my favorite coaches that I've ever had. Um, he was my one of my assistant coaches. He wasn't my head coach, but I, I like I love his his style. I love his mentality of coaching. I'm a I'm more of a hard nose in your face, um, honest. Um, yeller screamer coach than a, than a coddling kind of coach guy. So I, I love John Tortorella. I think he's, I don't know if he's good for the, for the players nowadays, which is, and I, why is, and I, why is that though? I, you don't think that he can change. You don't think he can change a little bit nah, and alter. Yeah. Nah. Well, change, Lindy Ruff, change, Lindy Ruff what has. change Lindy what, has. what needs to, what needs to change is hard nosed edges or, uh, edginess or the fact that the way that maybe the game is played now versus how he, cause he, look, he made that comment on, on, on the show one night about uh, Connor McDavid, not changing his game or whatever doing. Remember we had this conversation, JR, and you were saying, yeah, you can say that about players, but not Connor McDavid and Connor McDavid has gone on to kind of show that, you know, he has changed as he's, busting his ass back he's playing hard defensively but he's also producing at a crazy offensive rate as well so i mean is 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 that era of coach maybe going by the wayside a little bit well i think i i think it is because i i, I do feel that players are way more sensitive and do not react well to a coach that's hard on them or verbal or sits them in the press box because they didn't play well I don't think that these players today are 
are the the get mad fight um you know fuck you type of mentality that will show and get back and do it just to just to give the middle finger to their coach and say see i can do it i think they whine i think they pout i think they turn on their coach and i think they 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 say oh he doesn't like me so screw it i'm not going to play for him i think you have more of that mentality nowadays so if you have that mentality do you need a coach that is more coddling more accepting more um, patient uh less verbal it just seems like that that's kind of the coach that is that is surviving right now like a john cooper like a gerard gallant these guys are are amazing these guys are amazing player coaches that have the right message and the right demeanor. Um, I don't know. And don't you think that at some point the regurgitation has to stop? Well, Marty St. Louis is, is breaking the uh, barrier of, uh, you know, need to have this resume to – going coach now granted he was a great player but even this guy in uh edmonton i mean you know there are some unorthodox hirings well he's smart as shit in edmonton now he was my assistant coach in san jose with um with todd mcclellan and he was he was kind of the brains behind everything you want to talk about a smart smart Fucking hockey man. He's he's the perfect coach for the Edmonton Oilers. I'm telling you, I know that guy oh too well, and he is he is a great guy. He's got a great demeanor. He's fucking hockey smart like crazy. He's a he's a hockey nut. He's just he's and that's that's another reason why that team is where they are. Well, let so, me ask you this: Philadelphia Flyers then. What direction are they going in? I think they're so. I think they're so far behind right now that. I, are they in a rebuild they, uh, situation, or are they kind of rebuilding on the fly? The you know, problem are, is, Riv. The problem is, Riv, is they've done such a terrible job in the scouting department in their drafting. They really don't have much in the kitty to bring up to replace what what the what they've lost or yeah. what they're out of right um you just get rid of your captain uh, who, who you know who's going to who's going to take take over that role um they've underachieved their goaltender has been okay but not to the level that they expected them to be um i just don't see there's there's no savior in sight for them so in order to get that, it's going to take big signings. It's going to take two or three years of drafting. Um, you know, I, I, my Flyers, I love my Flyers, but I don't see them getting much better in the, in the near future. I'm just looking at this. Uh, I know Riv went down the uh, other conversation, but I'm just looking at this Jay Woodcroft. What an awesome path to the NHL. I eh? like never drafted. You know, Markham Waxers went to University of Alabama, Huntsville, played in the East Coast League and United League, the West Coast Hockey League, the Central League. And then he goes and he starts as a video coach in Detroit, wins a cup there in 07-08 as the video coach. 
goes on to be an NHL assistant in San Jose, 0809 until 1415. He's an Oilers assistant, then takes the head job in Bakersfield, lost in the second round. The next year they had COVID, and then last year won the championship, and now he's taking the Oilers from a, a spiral down the toilet and literally rejuvenated them, taking them on the brink to the Western Conference. You know what that's called? You know what that's called, Petey? That's Paying called your dues. That's, that's called love of the game. That's loving a game no matter where you are. Your love of the game is more important and trumps where you're playing, who you're playing with, all that, all that scenario. And just resilience, man. I love it. I love Jay Woodcroft. I just love him. Just love him. Uh, don't count awesome. out our Rangers. The Rangers. Don't told, count hey, out the New York that my, Rangers. That was my that was my my sneak pick of before the playoffs. That was my sneaky pick. Um, I just I they said if, if there's any team that's going to go on a run because they can put the puck in the net and they have a good goaltender and a good coach. Shit, what a great series that it's turned out to be again. Rangers are just they're they're throwing they're throwing two of the best series in the in the playoffs against Pittsburgh and now here against Carolina. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I, and listen, I mean, you look at the season that you know, everybody knows Carolina. They they were up fighting there for most of the season for the president's trophy as the number one team in the league. They ended up with a, a really, really good record. Fifty-four wins, and they had 116 points. But here's the thing. The, the Rangers had a really quiet, incredible season with 52 wins, 110 points. They're like, they have, not only do I love what they have currently just right now in this season, but what they're going to be like in two years from now, I think they're mm-hmm. going to be the best team in the league. I really do because, you know, Adam Fox and and all, all of the, the players, uh, Lilligren, um, Keandre Miller on these are all guys in the back end. They're all super young. Um, they look you, at the, it comes it comes all the way back to Chris Jury. Chris Jury could be the GM of the year, in my opinion. That what he's done, and Gallant. And, and by the way, we when when it all happened, when all that shit came down, um, you know, with uh, Davidson getting fired, with Gordon getting fired, and then boom, in comes Chris Jury. And everybody thought they were going to have a rebuild. And the rebuild took six months. <laughs> Boom. That's insane. Insane. Great. Awesome. That's why, I'm I, I, for him. That's why I'm rooting for him because Drury knows how to build a team. He knows what a, what a, he knows what a successful team is. This is his first shot at it. And you just tell by the type of players that he has and type of players that he went to get, how they're playing, and the coach that he gets. I mean, come on. Like, it's this guy knows the recipe. I mean, he's won a cup. You know what well, I mean? He knows the recipe. Look at the team. Look, look, look at the team that he played for. All he's got to do is go down each line that he played for and get somebody of similar characteristics of the team that he played for. That's it. I yep. Mean, and he was one of the best playoff performers. Ever, Chris Jury. So that Andrew Cop pickup will forever be will go down as maybe one of the 
best deadline acquisitions known to man. I mean, he played 16 games, eight goals, 10 assists in the regular season. And in 11 playoff games, he got five and five. You know what I mean? I mean, he had he had 35 points in 56 games this year in Winnipeg. He had 39 points the year before in 55 games. He had 26 points in 63 games the year before that. Like, he's never been this player. Never. Yeah, but again, he goes he goes out and hires Gerard Gallant, who is a genius of coaching young players, okay? Like the Cacos, like the Lafreniere's, like the Foxes, right? These young kids. That, Heedles. Yeah, the Heedles. Uh, just – he. And allows the guys like Panarin, like Zibanejad, like Kreider to play their style of game and be who they are because they do. And you you watch it. It's it's really is a little. It's, it is a work of art. The what the Rangers have created in such a short period of time. It really is. So, so there there were there were some other big uh, storylines. Uh, you know, this week leading up to our show today with you. You know, one of them being, you know, Lucic hitting Smith. I don't know if you want to weigh in on that. Obviously, no suspension or anything, but I think if Lucic wanted to hit Smith, he would have killed him. Um, and then there was Kadri hitting Bennington, and we can have that debate about whether he meant to do it, was pushed, premeditated, whatever. But what followed Kadri hitting Bennington is, I think, the story that, you know, has taken over the playoffs and that is not the hat trick that he scores when he goes out the next game, but the, and by the way, not, not, not the confrontations that he had with, um, with, the um, Peron Peron. Yeah. Right. Which Put is those, great, which is playoff. That, that's, that's playoff $5,000 fine that. for that little cross check. By the way, Perron tried to decapitate him with a uh, an elbow after a goal the other night. Not sure if you saw that, but I mean, I that, yeah, that could have been, that's Jeff Courtney-esque, eh? Close. <laughs> it's 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 almost it's almost it's almost Dale Hunter esque on Turgeon, if you remember okay. that one. Okay. okay. All right. So he but, tried. He tried, but you know, again, that I I love the Peron and Kadri. I, I love the you know Buchnevich came in. I, I love that's playoff, right? Your goaltender gets down. You go after the guy. You you have the confrontations. You yell. You scream. You fight. You do whatever. But what's happening to Kadri in the social media, that what people are saying to this kid is some of the most disgusting, inhumane mentality. And these people, the people that are saying this, I, I believe that they sh- something sh- repercussions need to happen with them. Either they need to. Those are hate crimes. To, Those are hate crimes. Hate crimes. No question about it. The, the, it's disgusting. We're talking about a sport. We're in sports. You don't you don't wish someone to go down in a fiery ISIS plane crash to a, a, a guy whose name sounds Muslim and say the things that these people are saying to Nazim Qadri. It is what's wrong with fucking America today. The hatred, the divisiveness, the the ability to say the most inhumane things and literally want hate and destruction and death on somebody, where the fuck is your decency? 
Well, where's the accountability for these people too? I mean, Nazem Kadri has to go and put a face on. Then he has to say, oh, you know, I've uh, Craig referenced it yesterday. He's like, you know, I've learned how to put this stuff in my rear view mirror, which is, which is code for been dealing with this my whole life, you know, that's it, the, that's in the a very issue. elitist sport, by the way, right. In hockey. And, you know, it's like you, how he's handled it. I mean, I give this guy a ton of credit. I, you know, I, I would take Nazem Kadri on my team any, any day of the week, but, but I wasn't a huge fan of his for how he played the game, but how he's dealt with these personal issues I've grown to respect him in such I, a way I, I take, that I, I can't relate team. to because I take him on my team. First, I take him on my team. What a what a what a year he's had. Period. Right? Leafs could have used so, him, eh? Oh, they win if they have him. Probably you yeah. can probably say they win if they have him. But I, I will say this: I am a firm believer in the First Amendment. Okay, firm believer. You know, freedom of speech is freedom of speech, but freedom of speech should be to a conversation to have opinions about things freedom of speech shouldn't be on the fact of of literally causing verbal mental harm on somebody where you're literally either threatening the person with death threatening the person of bodily harm or wishing somebody die a fucking horrible death saying the things that a lot of people in this world right now with mental illness can't handle. And it, the, the hatred, where did, where did it come from? Social media is one of the reasons why we're in such a divisive situation, the social media and the media, not to mention what the governments, multiple governments do to people. But until there's accountability, with sometimes the things that you do say to end that kind of hate speech, that hate thought. I, I don't say put people in jail because they say things because it's, but you should be able to find somebody and have their faces should be plastered all over the place uh, to what they represent. I think that like, the fact that these people no, can hide take, behind need, an alien need to take, and an icon on social the, media. You need to take money out of their out of their pocket and pay it to the either to the person that they're that they're abusing or pay it to pay it to a charity or do something. But somebody that says that says the absolute most brutal, inhumane things on social media, which has created the divisiveness in this world, they they should pay a price for creating that sort of conversation on a social platform and who's going to make the decisions on what's what you can say and what you can't say well fucking president biden put out a disinformation fucking council with an idiot for the lead i mean they sent 40 billion dollars to ukraine to build back ukraine you can't you can't invest more money into this country to create certain things to protect people to -hmm. protect the people that are living on the street to protect the people that that have mental illness i mean there's so many things where our country spends money elsewhere where they can do something here to make this country and to make this country stronger safer and more friendly that's that's my take 
because what's happening in this world right now, especially this country, is a fucking joke. Well, there's no question there is a uh, there's a hate issue in not just the United States, but in the world. It, you know, it, it's not just here, but we focus on it here because this is where we live. But I mean. When it when it is seeping into sports, I mean it it just goes. There's no where's the end. I mean where's the end of it? You know what I mean? It's like sports is supposed to be the escape from all of that, and yet you it just it seeps well, its it, way it's, in. And it, it I think there's levels, Pete. Pete, there's levels too, right? I think us like like a platform like like yours, okay, like yours and ribs, okay, which I come on once a week, and you have other guests. I think you have you have the capacity to move through different levels and talk through different things that are happening in life. When it happens in the actual sport that is going on, i.e., like what Steve Kerr did, you know, what? I, I only keep know it, this because I've watched. Keep I, it personal. Yeah, I I, I hear you. But I, so, well, that'll bring me to my Barube question: Should Barube have stayed quiet when asked about Kadri's threats and everything? He said no comment. That, People that's very different. That's people, different. That's, no, no, I'm not. I'm not questioning you saying that it is different or it isn't. I, I'm. I'm just wondering if, if, if maybe, you know, coaches in that position who have the microphone and players should they I speak Berube, on this? Or should they? Berube, Berube could have brought down the the level of and of hatred. He could have said, "Listen, people, this is a sport. This is what happens in sports. We don't need to. We." We're the St. Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues fans are better than that. We don't need to be throwing threats and, 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 and insults at people because they're playing a sport and playing a game. Like, let's have some decency. Yes, I think he could have said that. That's not a political statement. That's, that's a, a, a human statement. I mean, that's, that's representing the, the, the fans of St. Louis. And yes, Berube should have said, enough. This is, this is unacceptable. I think, so I think Steve, in Steve Kerr's defense to what he said, whether you agree or disagree with the political side of things, again, like, that's the thing. Politics is very, you know, one side or the other these days. But what I think for Steve Kerr, and I only know this because my son has watched The Last Dance a hundred times, so I find myself always watching and I think it was episode six, seven, where he starts talking about his father and his father was killed by a gunman in over in the Middle East. He was a professor over there uh, teaching yep. political science and stuff like that. Yep. And, and I think and he was killed by a gunman. And I, I don't know if it just maybe hits home, maybe a little more for Steve. hundred percent it does. Nash, than it does, 100% it does, you know, when 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 talking about guns and things like that. But I mean. Yeah, I, I, I. But when is the right time to talk about it? When is the correct. right time? You know, and that's correct. just they cor- absolutely correct, Riv. Right. You know, they have a platform. That's the thing. They have a huge platform. You know, um, Craig Berube has a huge platform. Steve Kerr has a huge platform. You have two coaches that chose to go in different directions in, in these, um, these, these issues, you know, now Craig Berube is getting, you know, he's getting some backlash because he didn't say anything uh, about uh, Nazem Kadri and the, and the racial slurs, but, you know, listen, I mean, maybe Craig uh, Berube didn't want to, uh, 
didn't want to go there because he's had his own uh, racial uh, slurs that were said many, many, many years ago, and uh, he doesn't want to get into it. I don't know. Maybe another reason why he should have said it because he knows how it feels. Yeah. I, it's just, it's, and you're right. I think we finished this, this conversation on this note. There is a time and a place. People don't watch sports to get a political, but they don't watch the post game. They, they want to hear about their team. They want to hear about how they felt about the game. They don't want to hear about a political narrative that you're trying to, that you're trying to get across. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's wrong. I totally agree with you. I mean, I understand his point and he has a he has, he has some good points, I think in general, but um, it's not the platform, it's not the platform, not the platform. And I love Steve Kerr, by the way, I've been friends with him for a long time, but this, this, this situation, I'm going to disagree with the, with the timing, with the, uh, with the place and part of the message. I, I believe in part of his message. And I also think he's not thinking at all the way through, but, at, but what, like you said, Riv, he has history, which probably is very, 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 very hurtful in his heart. And he's going to be very passionate about it, which I love the passion that he does have. So, but not, not the platform, not yeah, the I, platform because it's ugly. And what's happening to Nazem Kadri right now is so disgusting. The things that are happening in this country through hatred, through mental illness is so disgusting. It's, well, you know it, what it, he it, did, he did his part in, uh, you know, by how he handled it, what he said, and then going out there and literally shoving it up their ass with three goals. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, yeah. it was, yeah. it was a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment for, for him. And, uh, it was, yeah. it's, that's, you know what, like, it's not the storyline you want in sports because you hate to see that stuff. Yeah trickle in but it, it's the storyline yeah. that you need when this when this shit occurs and and yeah. you know you want to see my you want to see my storyline to end the show here we go boys first bottle first bottle off of the rack it's looks like the there's rack. some missing from there wilderness whiskey is that open jr not yet it still has its uh still has the okay. wrapper on oh you had it tilted. And as, as you as you can see i got i got number 27 Bottle but number twenty-seven, first, yeah. The first, the first fifteen hundred bottles came off the uh, came off the line hey, on Monday. Ribs was number fifty-two. I was seventy-six. Send us the bottles fifty-two and seventy-six. What? No, I'm not going to send it to you because I'm going to bring it to you as soon as we do. We put together our in in person Buffalo fucking. <laughs> what did we call it? Podcast. What did we call it? Do you remember the Come name? On, let's go. I sent the name of the I sent the name of the party in the group chat, and you said love it. Do you remember the name of the party? I don't. I don't remember what I did yesterday. What did you getting hammered? No, no, no. Getting smashed. You're you're coming to you're coming to pump the whiskey, and we're dicks. Whiskey dicks. Whiskey dicks. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna call. We're gonna call our in person podcast whiskey dick episode. And then that'll be the name of our male strip club that we start too, Whiskey Dicks. <laughs> My God. In honor of the Florida Panthers, who allegedly oh, that's so funny. Allegedly oh, that's so funny. spent the evening or the early day game or the early mornings it. of the day of a game at a at a establishment. Would not ha- would not happen if, if Craig Reve was on the team. <laughs> He would go in there and rip every single player out of that strip club 
Well, I would have sent with, everyone home at least. That's what I mean. <laughs> everyone about you're yeah. out. I mean, you're I out. I'm I'm I, I find that hard to believe. I find it you really you, hard you, to you, believe. You would have been like a fireman in a in a in a in a in a apartment fire, going in, pulling one out, going in, pulling one out. Yeah, Jesus that's disappointing. Christ. No, listen, I mean. Uh, I like I said, and uh, the Florida Panthers thing because you know you need to move on, and uh, they're going to hopefully make some decisions to uh, continue to um, put that team in the right direction. It's a heck of a hockey team, but they're they're missing a, they're missing uh, a yep. few ingredients, a few elements. They'll figure it out. Yeah, and we we'd be remiss for you and I, Riv, to uh, to say I feel bad for Big Jumbo Joe Thornton. Yeah. Not knowing if he's going to play again, missing that opportunity. Best is his best opportunity ever to win a Stanley Cup, and uh, to have that this happen to him, it, it, it crushed me to see yeah. him in that. And Watching him, him in go that through line, the uh, handshake line, line. Yeah. oh, crushed me. Crushed I, me. I, I almost I cr- felt I almost sick cried. in my stomach. Yeah, I almost is that cried. it for I him? You think, boys? Himself. Is that it? Is the run over? I think. I think. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Not in um, the NHL. In the NHL, for sure. He might yeah. he might go play he might play go play in Davos for a year in front of his um in front of his family back there but I don't I I, I think he's done in the in the league. What a shame, man! What a shame because that's one guy I think everybody that is well listen currently he, playing he, would have loved to see win. He, he could he can finally he can join Mike. I don't. He's the one guy that I didn't want to join my club, but he might be joining my club. Um, very soon. One of the best players to never win. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I think Correct. so. Who who are who are outside of Mike, outside Mike Gartner? Mike Gartner. Talk about him. Um Eric Lindros. Matt Sundin, love him or hate him. Matt, Matt Sundin. Matt Sundin. Matt Sundin. Hundred percent. Yeah. Love him or hate There's him. A lot Daniel of Alfredson. Pavel Burry. Yeah, a lot of them. Did McGillney win? With New Jersey, I think. Yeah, you might be right. I think he won with New Jersey. I think he was traded there, and he uh, he won one with New Jersey. And then you get Pat Maroon, who wins three and could win four. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I love Pat Maroon, but Jesus Christ, some guys just get all the luck, man. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, I would love to see I would love to see Corey Perry win another one. He's he's lost the last two. He has one, but it would be a nice way for Corey Perry to go out, but I don't know. And he's played so well. So well, so well. I totally agree. Yeah, that'd be nice. But the last like one I'll see. Be, go ahead. I, it would be cool to see a three-peat. It really would be. I know a lot of people are aren't rooting for it, but it'd be cool. Well, if you know what, listen, I'm just going to say if they three-peat it, I want to see him go for the I want to see them win the fourth. Because it's not anything I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I saw it. I saw it in the Islanders back in the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, crazy. I was I was a baby. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. you know, four yeah. years old when they won their last one. You know, so I mean, obviously the last team to uh, three peat it would be the Islanders. I think in the early eighties. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yep, they won four. Oh. Yep, crazy shit. Jumbo Joe what Thornton, Jumbo Joe Thornton, 1,714 yep. NHL games, 
430 goals with 1,539 points, 128. So how many assists did he have? 900 and something? He He had 1,109 assists. He had over, he had 1,100 assists? Yeah. That's one of the best playmakers in the history of the game. History of the game. Where where does he stand on the the all-time assist list? Third, fourth, fifth, third? Mm. Well, was, who was up there? Gretzky, Oates. You're gonna have. Um, oh my god! Um, who's the guy who won in Carolina? Ron Francis has to be up there. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's. There, there haven't been better, many better playmakers ever than Jumbo Joe. I got it right here. NHL all-time assists. Oh, you're right, Riv, with number two, with Francis. So, assists. Gretzky, 1963. Francis, 1249. Messier, 1193. Bork, 1169. Yager, 1155. Coffee, 1135. Thornton, 1109. Oates, Thousand seventy nine. Wow. Uh, Iserman, wow. thousand sixty three. That's a that's a hell of a list right there, my friend. And to round out the top ten, a guy named uh, Gordy Howe. Awesome. You want to round out the top twelve? You got Marcel Dion and Mario Lemieux as well. <laughs> and Joe Sackick is the last one to have over a thousand. Then you have Doug Gilmore, Mark Recchi, Al McKinnis, Larry Murphy, Stan Makita. Brian Trottier, Phil Housley, Sid the Kid is eight away from 900. Uh, Howard Chuck, Lidstrom, and Esposito to round out the top 25. Oh, and Dennis Savard. Quite a list. Quite a show. JR, you're the man. Thanks, buddy. Awesome, guys. We'll chat with you next week. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle. And at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.